Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Murk blind and fog, wild the woodland overgrows the mind, starlight blocked by high canopies of dark, unending, blackened bramble root and hollow. But then, a drift of wood smoke, a clearing of the eyes, glow cast warm on ancient bark, in front of weary minds revealed. The moon underwater. Swain and Good Matin's song abounds about through the hollows and receptacles of the moon underwater, and it's got a very piney feel today. I don't know why some of the darker woods have lightened themselves ever so. Perhaps it's to give some scant consolation, some escape from the darkening hours outside that the moon underwater has lightened itself. But one chair remains empty, and it's a beautiful high-backed, fan-backed, backless chair uh, that sits at the bar here. And I do believe that that sort of scrabbling around in the gloam uh, may be its inhabitor. Yes, it's the lovely Robin Allender. Hello, Robin. Hello, John. That was a lovely introduction. I was wondering how long do you think you could do that for? How long could I do what for? Well, just like talk about pine and gloam. Oh, I think forever, really. Uh, I, I often wonder if here as the landlord of the moon underwater, I could do one of those sort of children in need sponsored 24 hour pub visitations where I could just talk about the moon underwater constantly for 24 hours. I mean, I don't think you'd raise much money, but it'd be very relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> How find thee thy sen this eve? Yes, I'm very good. It's very nice to be back here. After a run of live gigs, we're kind of back in the... We're still in the moon underwater, but the, we're, we're less w- with uh, other people. I think what you're trying to say is the moon underwater has derealmed itself. 
because the moon underwater does have the ability to, to visit the peopled realms of earth yeah but also and this is is it earth is it not earth is it something in between we just don't know it's a liminality isn't it it is a little liminal space that the moon underwater inhabits but I accuse you, Robin, of going publicly with my sen last week. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. We, we went to the we went to the pub. The pub, didn't we? Yes. And I had a few. So we were meant to meet. I think we were meeting like six or something. And I got there um, an hour early, as I often do. Yeah. What do you do in that hour, John? You've stole an hour in the pub. <laughs> right. The, the pre-lash. <laughs> Um, the solo pre-lash. Mm. But I had some negative pub experiences before I met Robin. The first pub I went to was your classic... I won't name it, but I will... I will... I'll give you enough information. It was sort of your classic big brewery based on medieval poem character-ish pub. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and... It was so loud, it really smelt of chips, but it had a good sort of good ratings on Google uh, reviews. In London, they're very expensive, medieval poem pubs. Yeah, medieval poem pubs are quite expensive, but they also are all very, very similar. Yeah, yeah. And what struck me was how they're sort of dressed to appeal to people who want to go to the classic English pub. mm but yet, then you kind of think, well, why would anyone who does like a classic English pub want to go to this version of it? And then, and I managed to get a seat, and I'm not complaining about it, it's busy. That's just, you know, it's London at 5.30 on a weeknight. It's obviously going to be busy. And I got a pint of tribute, and it was off. It was actually off. It wasn't end of the barrel. It was off. It was vinegar. Oh, dear. And I'm sorry, but I, if you're running a busy pub and you've got two beers on draft... It shouldn't be a customer telling you that the beer is off. And I don't mean on the turn. I mean, like, spit it out. Oh, my God, what's that? And I had that awkward moment where I went up to the, I think it was the landlord. And I, you know, when you're about to say you think a a pint is off. Yeah, you really have to double down on it. And usually they say, like, "Uh, no, that's actually, that's fine. And you're thinking, oh, well, sorry then. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I gave it to him and he poured himself a, a bit and drank it and went, oh, whoa, yeah, 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 that's gone. I'm like, how are you, How didn't you check that when you opened up? Because it doesn't go that bad that quickly. But if you are a bar keep or a landlord or a landlady, maybe disabuse me of that because maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe entire kegs, uh, casks do suddenly turn. But I just can't believe I was the first to try that beer that night yeah surely you've got to have a little taster without getting high on your own supply yeah well that should be the first thing you do is sort of you you sort of clear the lines a little bit and then you have a sip just to check it's okay anyway let us know john at moon under pod what the what or your experiences of taking back drinks because it's a very tense time it's a minefield i had there's a great pub story i was going to talk about uh i i went to see nuts in may at the bfi uh, the other weekend there, um, which is a brilliant 70s Mike Lee film. And it was presented by Mike Lee and had a Q&A with the full cast there, including Alison Steadman. And it was so... I don't know. Have you, do you know Nuts in May? Just a bit, mate. Do you? Okay. Because <laughs> it's very funny and it's so observant about a kind of hippie couple going on holiday uh, in Dorset. 
But one of the things that was so lovely is um, there's a great scene in the film. Can you remember where they go to a pub in Corfe Castle? And yes. uh, R- Ray, the Welsh character, is playing darts with hon- Onky and Finger, the Brummies who've come down. And they're playing like that. So they, they, they rehearsed the scene, staying in character for an entire evening. Amazing. In this pub, just playing darts and like honky just shouting at his finger or whatever. Yeah, he played well crying now, all that kind of stuff. And Mike Lee just watching them. And then at one point, towards the end of the night, Mike Lee just goes, get out of character. And they all just stopped and started like, just the whole pub just turned around and just went, what the hell's going on? Can you imagine <laughs> seeing that? Like these three really loud people in the pub and someone tells them to get out of character. And then they just start talking in kind of actorly ways about their performance. It'd be very funny, I thought. Imagine if they did that to us at the Curry House where we're having one of our bleak conversations. <laughs> yeah, and suddenly get someone out. goes, get out of character. We go, yeah. oh, oh, how you doing, yeah. Rob? Yeah, a great yeah. day, actually. Yeah, yeah, full of beans, full of yeah. beans. Yeah. <laughs> we need to do that in the future. Get out of character. Just say it to yourself in the mirror. Get out of character. Rob, I, did I sense... Some kind of droplet visitations owe oh, the mist variety. You're absolutely right, John. I sighed for them this morning. A couple of lovely emails here about pubs no longer with us and pubs in peril. So the first one here is the Brie Louise in Euston, rest in pubs. Do you remember the Brie Louise? Oh, don't break my heart. Yes, what a pub. What a pub. It was brilliant. Was it Sam Smith's, or am I making that up? No. It wasn't Sam Smith's. It was, it was our friend Sam's favourite pub. Oh, yeah, it was Sam's pub. Yeah, <laughs> we used to go there quite a lot. Whenever I was in London, we went there. So, hello, John and Robin. Talk of pubs lost made me immediately think of the now sadly and prematurely departed, much-missed, excellent Brie Louise near Euston. Not living nor working near the area, sadly, I only went there a handful of times but had a wonderful time and fell in love with it instantly every time I did. It holds a spot in my memory bank as one of the first central-ish London pubs I went to after moving to the city. Reading about the demise of the pub to make way for HS2, debate around the progress of that for another time place, there is a quote from the landlord that sums up the place and my vision of a near-perfect pub perfectly. Asked, so this is the quote, Asked what the secret of its success, Mr. Douglas said, Real ale, no Sky Sports, no fruit machines, no music, and the art of conversation is not dead. It's everything I like about a pub. We had had Sky here and showed football until 2007, then we took it out. When we did that, we got busier. The pub is or was known for its array of ciders and boasted 23 real ales. It was named Camera Pub of the Year for 2016-17 and Cider Pub of the Year in 2015. We bring in weird and wonderful stuff that most breweries haven't even heard of, Mr. Douglas said. Most pubs in London, if they only have three real ales, you can almost guarantee it's Green King, IPA, Doom Bar, and London Pride. They couldn't pay me to sell any of those. Oh, a yeah, moment- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a moment of reflection for the Brie Louise, rest in pubs. And that's from James. Thanks so much for sending that in, James. Oh, thanks, James. I love that. The barrels, they had actual barrels mm. on on shelves behind the bar. And you and they would be cider and beer. And you go, what's that one? Can I try a bit of that one? Yes. Yeah. It was a brilliant Oh, pub, man. And so just one other quick one. This is the Ravens Born Arms. No. Old fave of yours in oh, your Lewisham days. Be wait, my wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Don't what? Don't be my age. Well, wait, wait just a second. Because Save the Ravensbourne Arms is the heading from this. This is an email from Kieran. 
A couple of months ago, Sister Midnight's community share offer launched in a bid to save the Ravensbourne Arms and create Lewisham's first ever community-owned live music venue and pub. The share offer launched with a Goat Girl good band fundraising gig at the Ivy House in Nunhead, the famous community pub that set the blueprint for the community ownership revolution today. The community will be offered a chance to invest in a campaign that will make history for the independent music scene in the UK. In order to purchase, refurbish and reopen the Ravensbourne Arms, yes please, Sister Midnight are looking to source a minimum of 500k through a community share offer on the crowdfunder platform, with rewards for investors such as gig tickets, merch, vinyl experiences and one-off artwork and yes, beer. It's a big, beautiful, tiled old gent of a pub in a booming area underserved by boozers. But since its former owners called time in 2016, the Ravensbourne Arms has been shuttered. It's been a great loss, not just to the locals, but to the NHS staff at the Lewisham Hospital across the road. Side note, they're the ones whose choir had two number one hits. Oh, yeah. Lewisham is in the middle of a housing boom. Brand new glass tower blocks loom over the town, but at street level, the community is starved of places to gather and of places to see live music. So if you're interested in donating, head to crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash save hyphen the hyphen Ravensbourne. R-A-V-E-N-S-B-O-U-R-N-E hyphen arms. And they currently raised 165,000 of the 500k target. So that's brilliant. Thanks for uh, letting us know about that, Kieran. And yeah, we'll post the link on the social media as well because it'd be great to have that pub back in business because that was fabulous. I, but I used to live in Lewisham and that was my local. You used to live in the Ravensbourne Arms. <laughs> I used to live in the Ravensbourne Arms. It's such a great pub. And so true that Lewisham is a part of London that is through some eyes booming, but through other eyes, an awful lot of people being left behind. And it's a big, big old place, Lewisham. And when I was there, there were only four pubs. There was Ravensbourne Arms, Fox and Firkin, Carpenter's Arms and the Dacre Arms. Mm. Those were sort of the, they're, they're, I'm sure there are a couple more, but those were sort of the main four Oh, and there was the watch tower or the clock tower, which was the Weatherspoons, which was all right. But it deserves more pubs and uh, it deserves good pubs. Dacre Arms is a great pub. But that was a proper community one as well, wasn't it? You get all kinds of people in there. It was really nice, lovely big space. Yeah, big old, big old pub. They also did live music and stand up and things at the Fox and Firkin, I think. Or certainly they'd had a performance area. But yeah, Lewisham deserves lots of great pubs. And also Lewisham has lost a hell of a lot of great pubs over the, not just the last five years, but over the last sort of 20 or 30 or 40 years. So well done for getting that going. What an incredible initiative. Mm. Uh, folks, this is an exciting time for the Moon Underwater because we are uh, making a slight admin change and we're splitting our output. Somehow what we say in here gets sent to you through... I'm guessing some kind of murmurations, Robin, would you say? Something at an atomic level, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, down sort of ley lines, I would imagine. Uh, but we're, we're splitting the podcast in twain. Splitting. Splitting the podcast in twain in order to allow us slightly more time to make the chunk slightly more manageable. And um, also because it works so well with the live uh, shows that we did. And hopefully this will end the whole you know, what comes after the pub quiz questions? Is it ambient music? Is it adverts? Is it just, you know, the deafening silence of your own interior monologues? <laughs> that we, We've put paid to all of that. So 
If you subscribe via Patreon at moonunderpod.com or patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod, you'll still get a big old unedited chunk of podcast. Um, However, for those of you uh, freeloaders just uh, downloading from your podcast platform of choice, uh, the podcast will be in two halves. They'll be in the right order, so you can still just listen straight through. Um, but just to just to clear up that slight format change, really, everyone. I think you did it very well. Thanks, mate. But I I hear a howling. I hear a howling in the mistral winds. Maybe it's the Atesian winds. I get so confused about the many winds that fluster around here. Uh, so it may well be that this week's guest is approaching the moon underwater. Robin, did you catch that sight of plumage at all? Feather or smoke? Feather, I think, but perhaps perhaps accompanied by smoke. I saw bright purples and greens, yellows, and a sort of shimmering silver almost mm. um, passed by the, the, the bowed windows here at the moon underwater. Yeah. I, I saw the electric blue of a jay. Yes, that may may have been amongst the cathedral of plumage we saw. Um, I don't know if you remember, Robin, the what was the bird in the giraffe and the Pelly and me, the Roald Dahl story? It was a pelican. Uh, no, I I don't mean that. I mean the twits. Oh right, um, I don't know. Can't, it's been a while. Twits used to scare me. Yeah, very scary book. There's no fear <laughs> here, but there was a special bird. Um, hmm. With quite incandescent plumage, and oh yes, and it it sort of likes to hang around the 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 eaves of the moon underwater at times, and I think I I'm pretty sure that the sight of its plumage uh, tells that there's been an arrival, and it has gone to hark and call across the glen. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the glen? What in the Roald Dahl book? No, the one near the moon underwater, there's a big glen. Oh, there's a big glen, yeah. What is a glen? Like a big field? Uh, a field and a lake all rolled into one, really. Mm. Uh, very muddy. Um, but I'm not wrong, because there creaks the hinge and snaps the latch, and in walks none other than Robbie Knox. Hello, Robbie. Oh, hello. Oh, what a nice welcome. I'm in the pub. <laughs> Hooray, thank you. You are welcome. in the pub. welcome. What do you make of its um, many tapestries? Beautiful, beautiful. I've, I've, I've only seen one tapestry in the flesh before, and that was the Bayer tapestry, mm-hmm. which is the big tapestry, really. Sure. So, yeah. so to see further tapestries, having enjoyed that one so much, is a real, is a real joy. You've basically got the Bayou Life's Rich and Carol <laughs> King's album, mm. uh, the three big tapestries. But I think, yeah. you know, Moon Underwater's, you know, in, in at number four, possibly. Well, what we have here at the Moon Underwater is uh, the tapest, the first tapestry to depict brewing from every single civilization. Oh wow! Um, so we've got there's a Byzantine one over there by the enormous scythe. Um, there's an Egyptian one over there next to the uh, the ossel. Is that some mead on that one that I can see over there? Yes, yes, it is. It's yeah. actually honey. Yes, it's honey-based mead from Egyptian okay. times. 
you can't quite make it out, but in the ante room, actually, so the the ante ante room, um, a n t i a n t e, the ante ante room uh, actually contains uh, the first ever uh, wine from the uh, Polynesians. Wow, it really is rich in history. The moon underwater. Yes. It really is. You know, it's got a little bit. It's got a little bit of what you like, and, uh, and a little every bit of time, something for everyone. Every time I, I hear or, or see of it, there's always a little detail that I've, I've, I was unaware of. It, it's time. a bit like a Where's Wally picture. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, I suppose Bayou Tapestry was the original Where's Wally in many ways. Yeah, because mm. mm. when you're a kid, all you do is you look for Harold with his arrow in his eye, don't you? That, that's the Wally of the Bayou Tapestry, really. So, Robbie. You are known to many as uh, a YouTuber, which is a, the sort of thing I imagine most people in their sort of it's a very young, youthful pursuit. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that I imagine if you were 18 and you said you're a YouTuber, there's some kind of pride or sort of uh, dignity in it. Whereas for me, when I'm 44, it's, it's said with shame and slight, slight, <laughs> slight I, I, I don't even say the word YouTube. I say I make YouTube videos amongst other things, amongst other proper things. So, yeah, it's a, it's a midlife crisis. But you you worked in TV for a long time, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I worked at Soccer AM at Sky Sports for seven years uh, during the Tim Lovejoy era. Left there in 2007, did a few other bits and bobs and then recently have returned to... YouTube to the public eye, if you will. I've, I've been doing other things in the meantime. So much sort of social media and and YouTube channels sort of give a very heightened view of someone's life. But what I really like about your channel is it does celebrate the everyday. Yeah, it's when people ask me what it is, I just say it's it's me making videos to fill the time before I die. Essentially, it's got that sort of vibe to it. It's, it's, it's mundane stuff, taking the bins out, things like that. Yeah, it's, it's mm, bin days. Bin days are very important to you, right? It's it's sort of become that. I'm not. I'm not actually. I don't actually go crazy for bin day. Like, I'm not actually uh, going. Come on, can't take it down on the calendar. But because that video did quite well, it sort of has become a thing now, and and I, I'm happy to ride the bin wave. Sure. I mean, I think during the pandemic. When it was particularly last year, lockdown, it was like bin day was kind of the only me- method you had of, of measuring the passing of time. So <laughs> yeah. I did sort of find myself looking forward to it. I'd like watch out the window as they came. Yeah, and because of my history with bin day, I felt really sorry for whenever any celebrity type mentioned bin day on Twitter or Instagram because Amanda Holden would mention it, and then they'd be like. 20 people going, at Robbie Knox, on, on there, something like that. She was going, why is this man own Binday? So, yeah, yeah, no, no, no it's, it's, a good, it's a good thing. I've recently moved to Norwich from Kent, so I'm dealing with a whole different world of bins now. So it's, it's a real, real exciting. Let me tell you, I mean, I, where I live, I used to live in Lewisham Council, and I moved over the road in the same, same road, and now I'm in Southwark. Which is crazy. I used to live on a road that one side was Lewisham and one side was Southern. Really? Yeah. Sydenham Hill. In Well, that's very, very close, yes. Okay. I yeah, expect yeah, you to give your address on here. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's crazy because it's a different day. The recycling bin is now blue and the rubbish bin is green. Well, my previous bin day in Kent was, it was like a bin day from the 80s because you there's no wheelie bins. You put out black bags... So you can't do it the night before 
because foxes will just go nuts. So you have to go out in the morning, put them there. I had to take my glass to a bottle bank. But people people would look down on that and say it was a backward bin day. But it did mean you could throw out unlimited stuff. Whereas now, you've got the stress when you get... We've got normal bin taken one week, recycling the nicks, and it alternates like that. And it can get very stressful if you've if you've made a big... Oh yeah, big purchase something, and you've got a big bit of cardboard in there. It can be very, yeah, very yeah. Hard. You have to kind of Shawshank it. I find a little bit of cardboard out at a time every two weeks. You know. Yeah, we do live yeah. near a a park with a bin in it, so there is the option of me illicitly making repeated trips to the park for my for tiny bits of rubbish. If it, I'm not. It's not come to that, but it is. It's always there. <laughs> is there an argument, Robbie, that if your interests are the everyday, some might say the mundane, is the pub? where the world of the everyday and the mundane intersects with the world of magic and of excitement. I think yes. Let's go with yes for that. I think so. I know I think I think I think a pub is is a is a, both a wonderful thing and a very mundane thing which is literally just a place where they give you alcohol that you drink in in a, in a room and I I always do think if if you were an alien or something and you came down to um, to Earth, and you're going out, and you meet someone, and you're asking, "What's the deal here with Earth?" And they say, "Like, what? What do you survive?" Go, well, you need like food and water and oxygen, and you get that from supermarkets. And they go, "Oh, the supermarkets, those those things you have on every corner." And you go, "No, no, those are places where you go and you drink a liquid. It makes you feel a bit weird. And if you have too much, you're sick." But we have those everywhere. We have those literally on every corner. The supermarkets, just a few around town is fine. So. <laughs> yeah. so d- Tell us about Bin Day Brewing. Tell us how how that came about. Because during lockdown, you actually you you started making your own beer. Yeah, I learned. I as I, say, I do, I make YouTube videos. Can't say I'm a YouTuber. Um, I make I make YouTube videos, and whatever video I do, generally, because the way it works, if you make a video, you get uh, Google runs ads against it on YouTube, and you get a a share of the ad revenue they make from your videos. So whatever video I do, I will probably make at least £50 of ad revenue. So because of that, it means I can try anything up to the value of £50 for free, is my theory. So you could get a beer brewing kit for around £50. I thought, well, I can try it for free, brew some beer, see what happens. As long as I make a video out of it, I'm not out of pocket. So I did that, made some beer, and my memory of brewing beer was in the 80s and 90s where your mate's dad had some festering thing in the kitchen that stank kit from Boots. So I was surprised that I could make beer and that it turned out to be nice and, and pleasant to drink. And so I just got into doing it. And then I got a slightly better kit to make more beer, learnt what I was doing wrong and sort of just got a bit better at it. And then I'd, I'd taken some of my homebrews up again for another video to a brewery called Doc's Beers up in Grimsby. And They'd said while I was up there, they just just for them to taste it and give me feedback. And they said, "Well, why don't we do a collaboration beer?" So, essentially, my friend Mike and I have started up a brewery with with no physical brewery and you know, a, a brewery concept, if you will. Where a we've brewery been of and, the mind, yeah, a brewery of the mind, where we've been going to collaborate with other breweries. So we use their stuff and um, just brew beers with them and sell them to the public. So, would your pub your dream pub that we're going to create here in the moon underwater would that reflect in its sort of look and its furnishings would that reflect an american look or would it be a very british 
or English pub. I don't know. Do I, I, I? A quick point of order. Do I have the location of the pub? Is that predetermined or can no, I? No, you got total free reign. Free, free reign. reign. In that free case, swim. Free swim. In that case, I'm going to have my pub in a ski resort near the bottom of a mountain, Ooh. and so it will have a slight sort of alpine feel to it, a bit of wood and stuff like that going on, and 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 that 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 sort of feel to it. You don't have to go skiing there. If if you go there, you don't have to go skiing. No one's forcing you to ski. No, no one's no. forcing you to go great, skiing. Great. No, and that's and I'm I'm a very keen skier, but I think the problem people have with ski holidays is they focus too much on the skiing, which is a very minor part of the experience. Yeah. It's mostly <laughs> drinking and eating in in pretty places. So, I mean, I don't want to sort of pre-guess any of your choices, but are they going to be sort of toddies? I'm guessing um, sort of alcoholic hot chocolate that sort of thing i've never been skiing uh, i've never been to a ski resort and i've certainly never been to a pub next to a, a, a slope what sort of what is their general vibe well the general vibe i mean it's a lot of beer is drunk but there is also um van show or glue vine depending on what country you are hot red wine essentially that's quite popular um hot, hot, alcoholic hot chocolates do exist i don't personally tend to go for them um, is it quite a dangerous combination, skiing and alcohol? I, I imagine it is. I see skiing as a dangerous combination on its own. I'm very risk averse. Yeah, I find one drink on a ski tr- on a uh, at lunchtime or something, or early in the day, will negate any need to warm up or stretch. It's <laughs> it's about the right level to just give you that sort of smoothness to it. And once you get beyond that, yeah, it can be problematic. Is it going to be like the uh, bar in the film uh, Force Majeure? <laughs> I've not seen Force Majeure. Sadly. You've not seen Force Majeure? No. Oh, man. Fantastic concept, really. It can be explained in one scene, basically. John, you, you go ahead. So, family are at a ski resort. There is a... What's it called, Rob? Avalanche. An avalanche. Yeah. The alarms go off. The snow goes everywhere. They're all sat around a table. The husband legs it. Turns out it was quite a minor avalanche. So the snow sort of settles. And it's how that couple deal with the fact that in a moment of crisis, the husband... Well, what he does is he grabs his phone. Yes. And he doesn't grab his children or wife. (laughs) (laughs) Let's begin filling this... Alpine ski pub with your choices. Uh, I, I, I want to, I you know, I, again, Alpine Lager could make an, an entrance there, the Samuel Smith's Lager, but, but let's see, let's one, see, yeah. let's see. Yeah, it, it would be very welcome, but it is not yeah. one of my choices currently. Sure. So what are your f- draft choices, your first two choices, please? Well, both of these are actually mountain-related, by coincidence. I've not planned that well. Um, but the first one I'm having is a... I, I lived in in Whistler in Canada for a ski season, essentially. And um, that was where I learned to drink beer. Because when I was at university, I drank cider. and I didn't like the taste of beer. And my boss... What we used to have is we had this night called um, Fubar, which was mess up, buy around, essentially. So if you... Um, if you did anything wrong in the restaurant I worked at, your name got put aboard and you bought a jug of beer on payday. And everyone, and essentially, it just meant there was lots of beer and everyone had a nice night every two weeks when you got paid. Um, but I didn't drink beer. so my, But my boss, Adrian, just said to me, I oh, know you have to drink beer. I said, no, I don't really like the taste. He goes, no, no one likes the taste to start with. You just have to do it. So he'd get me to down a pint of beer 
every payday. And after about three, I'm going, oh, yeah, no, this is absolutely fine. So, <laughs> so this is my original. It's not a great beer. I don't think anyone, any any sort of expert brewer would be putting this at the top of their greatest beers ever list. But it just reminds me of mountains and, mm. and friends, friendship and drinking and, and fun sort of thing. So that Kokanee, the mass-produced West Canadian lager, will be my first choice. Say that again? Kokanee is the name How do you it. spell that? K-O-K-A-N-E-E, I think. I thought I thought you were gearing up for Cause Light there with the mountain range and love. Another term, is my that's my favourite of the British lager, or the British available lagers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this looks amazing. I've just looked it up in my mind. Mm. And it's called Kokanee Glacier Beer, and there's a lovely mount. It looks like a. It basically, it almost looks like a, a sort of a cause ripoff. But yes. I'm guessing it came, came first. Or maybe I don't it didn't. know. It might not have. I'm not sure. I think Canada does quite often try and take something American and make it a little bit different for the sake of it. Like they're like Canadian football is like American football. They have an extra down and stuff like that. And as I say, they just change things a little bit. So I think that's possibly. Well, it almost is. looks like a soft drink. Yeah, it looks mm. like an energy drink in a can. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not. I think it's four point something percent. I think it's it, it's sessionable. I think is the Do you word. drink it very very cold? Or is that the yeah? Idea? Well, I mean, was... you're in a mountain, so you haven't got a choice, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, particularly if you're still outside. Yeah. I think it might be five percent. It's five percent. Is it? Yeah. Oh, gosh. So it's got a little kick in it. Yeah. Well, there we go then. Uh, so you've got draft. Kokanee, uh, what's your second choice? So my second choice is a, is a drink I haven't had yet, but again, it's a mountain-related thing. It's a drink from I'm going to I'm going to Morzine skiing with my family and a couple of other friends and their families um, in January, and it was been delayed for it was supposed to be last year, but got put back because of COVID. So really, we've been looking forward to this. By the time we get there, it'll be like something like six hundred odd days since we originally booked this this holiday. And there is apparently the local beer is called Mutzig, M-U-T-Z-I-G, I believe. But the company that makes Mutzig makes different strengths of Mutzig, apparently, but they don't have different names. So you can order a Mutzig and it can be anything in some kind of roulette between 4 and 12%. So, so you don't. You, it's 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 a rule, and I like I like the risk element of it. I like the excitement of not knowing what strength Mutzig you're going to so get. So you've never tried it before. I've never tried it, no. Wow. But I'm 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 just I'm, and I will not be advertising the strength of my Mutzig to the people <laughs> here, despite any arguments so from trading. Standards. The barman can literally grab a can, any can. Oh, is it a can or well, a bottle? I think it's, oh, on it's draft, a draft, isn't it's it? On draft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, th- I think essentially. They have like strong mutzig and not strong mutzig, right? But they're not clearly marked as to what the mutzig you're getting is. It's a very popular beer in Africa. Is it? Wow. Yeah. So, if if my mind is correct, uh, when yeah. I've looked it up in my mind, it's the most successful premium locally brewed beer in Central Africa. Wow. So, so there's an umlaut going on here as well. So, is it more like a mutzig? Maybe quite possibly, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it was originally it's from a commune in France called Mutzig, and the umlaut was added for marketing reasons, according oh, to my oh. mind. Wow. Okay. Uh, the slogan is the taste of success. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get away with calling a beer the taste of success. 
So you've got two beers on draft, one 5% Glacier beer, and the other one TBC percent. Play the beer roulette and find out. Would would you even want to know? Will it be displayed in your pub what percentage it is? Oh or god, no. Are you gonna, it's just going to be a mystery percent. It's going to be a mystery, and I might change it every 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 few days as well to keep people on their toes. <laughs> that could be quite a good way if someone's had too much to drink. They start with a a mutzig, quite a strong one, and the barman sort of discreetly gives them less strong ones as the evening goes on. Yeah, you know. all, all, all the way, yeah, or the other way. Yeah, or the other way. Yeah. Yeah, each beer should have three percentages, which the landlord, at their discretion, chooses based on the vibe of the person and their current state of drunkenness. So they might look at it and go, oh, they've had too much, we should give them a low mutzig. Or they could go, this guy's a bit boring, he could do with a strong (laughs) mutzig to give him a better night. So so a well-trained barman really coming into his own there to work out what the person needs. Right, well, fantastic. I love the idea of a little bit of mystery in your yeah, draft. That's choice. never happened before. We've never had someone choose a drink they've never tried before. <laughs> well, so, well, yeah. I, that's good or bad. I don't know how that reflects upon me. You fancy a pint? Yeah. The moon underwater. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So uh, what are your two bottles, Robbie? Okay, um, we're mixing up a little bit here. I'm going to be having as my first bottle a bottle of Carver from a bar I know only as Carver Bar in Barcelona. I don't know what it's actually called. I don't know what road it's on. I could (laughs) find it if I was there, but I couldn't find it on a map for you. 
And oh, I've nice. got quite a few friends who, who actually lived out in Barcelona and I'd visit them quite a lot in the 2000s in my youth. And quite often in the summer holidays from Soccer AM, I'd go out for three or four weeks and just, just stay there and and hang around. And this bar, it's it's tiny. It actually does have like sawdust on the floor. I know people talk about sawdust, but it actually does have this on the floor. They sell carver, as, as you'd expect, but... You can have carver to take away. And I used to get a bottle for one euro to take away. Absolutely delightful. Um, but also they they try and make it as hard as possible for you to go there because they don't really like the popularity of it. They shut in the evenings, which is unconventional for a bar. And like on a Saturday evening, it was shut like 7pm or 8pm or something. And each time I've been there, they've made it slight, they've, they've added slightly more rules. Like you have to have, you have to buy a sandwich if you want to drink <laughs> or something like that. Or you have to do different things. Think like different foodstuffs with it. It's just very, very complex. I normally try and get someone who I know there to to find out what the rules are there to get it. But it is beautiful, Carver, and I feel a bit sorry for Carver in general because I think Carver's excellent, and I think Prosecco has really taken over from Carver in the last 10, 15 years. And, and it I feel... used to be seen as such a cheap alternative to champagne, but Carver yeah. in its own right is really lovely. Yeah, it's you really get some nice glorious, bottle. glorious Carvers. And I will generally pick it ahead of Prosecco due to my love of Carver and Barcelona. So do you, so that one euro bottle of Carver, is that 750 mil? This is, this is going back, this is going back 20, 15, 20 years. Okay. But even still, it was very, and it, it was very, at the time, it still did feel shocking that I could buy a bottle of Carver Euro, and it was nice. You just get that, some plastic cups, and just sit on the beach. And There is something both enchanting and infuriating about mainland Europe sort of attitude to convenience and shop opening times. Yes. like yeah. I mean, I guess it's a sort of a, a British thing that you just expect everything to be available at all hours of the day. But the idea, like when you go into... <laughs> I remember going to Italy with my girlfriend and we went into the local town where there's this beautiful church and everything and everything was closed. And you and we sort of said, oh, what, why is everything closed? It's like, oh, it's a Wednesday. Everything <laughs> closes on a Wednesday. You're like, what? Yeah, I've got someone to do stuff. And in Spain, you've got a siestas now and you go, I might go to the shop and you go there at like one o'clock or something, like in the middle of the day or something, and then it's shut. And the guy like, it was just shut. But then you'll come back at like 10pm and the shop's open yeah. again. Yeah. Like, I don't know the rules. I don't know when. It's completely, completely random as to when your shop is open. So is it a specific type of carver or is it just the the one euro bottle of carver? It's the one euro do? bottle of carver, but you have the choice of normal carver or pink carver. So you can have a, I'll probably pick the pink one for variety. Uh, okay. But yeah, one euro carver bar, Carver. And what's your second bottle? Because I've got to say, as someone who's been a self-confessed cider lover, I'm not seeing a lot of cider so far. You're not. And that was something that I did consider very much, but then I couldn't think of a cider that I particularly wanted to drink these days. <laughs> oh, is um, that, have, have, are you beyond your cider phase? I'm beyond my cider phase. I will dabble in a cider if I'm in a place that I imagine will have good cider. See if I'm in a countryside place and there's side of these days. I like the cloudy nine percent stuff that you have to chew through to get to get into. <laughs> I like that if I cider now. I like a cider that my wife will be sickened that I'm drinking, sort of thing. Well, that gives you a hangover halfway through your first pint. I like that. I like that in a cider, but I haven't. I haven't picked a cider here, sadly. That's um, okay. 
I've gone for a sort of sorry, trendy craft beer type thing. I've gone for a Colonel table beer. Oh, great choice. A great choice. And the reason being is that during lockdown one, if you can hark your mind back to that, my house very quickly began to resemble the last days of the Roman Empire. It was just like homeschooling started for about two days. It was fine. And then by about 1pm, it'd be like, all right, kids, you can clock off now. Daddy's having a beer. And I, I, I realised very quickly that I had to do something about this or it would become an issue. So I started getting into lower percentage beers and and um i would order a few here's like 2.8 percent. i read somewhere and i've no idea if this is accurate or lies that when a beer gets under three percent it's hydrating rather than dehydrating so i i tried to work this out i think it's around 2.4 percent that a beer hydrates more than it dehydrates however i mean still it's I, I I've also I've stopped drinking all beer over four and a half percent so I never drink anything very very rarely and even then it'll probably just be a sip or a small can if I do I've got a feeling that table beer the actual percentage varies a bit depending on what it comes out at but it that does. I might have imagined that yeah and they have different versions of the table beer but it's generally anything from sort of I think it's like two point eight to three point three, that sort. Yeah, that's three point three here. Yeah, yeah, but they they have a variety of different table beers depending on what's happening, and it never seems to be the same. But it's a terrific beer, and and it's it's the closest I've got in my house to having a house beer. And I will order online a case of this and just serve it to people going forward until it runs out. And they do an IPA with the Talus. So Talus was the hops you, you were saying you yeah. use. Yeah. Ah, great. Yeah. So is this an influence on your No, it brew? isn't. In, in fact, it was just, it was literally the S43 when we were discussing what sort of beer to make. The guy said, I've got loads of Talus that I've ordered and I haven't used it. Maybe we could use that. So that was literally mm. that. that kind ah, of I see. <laughs> so nothing, not, not a design thing. And also, Emma Inch chose Colonel's Export India Porter on draft. Um, so a lot of love for uh, the Colonel Brewery in the Moon Underwater and, and richly deserved. And if Colonel are listening and fancy sending out a few samples, just, you know, just get in touch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, but no, but seriously do. Yeah, I'm joking, but also if they do, it's not a joke. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, and, and also it fits in with the mundaneness in that their packaging is like a brown bottle with a brown almost like parcel label for it sort of thing it fits in it's on brand yeah yeah it's really nice i can imagine that being a really good drink for when you come in off the slopes yeah Uh, you just want something refreshing perhaps you want to stay a bit keen for one of the black slopes in the morning yeah the hard ones yes they are very good very very good um yeah i think i think it could be a good lunchtime beer to, to as you say just just to to get you that warmed up feeling but not get you flying off a cliff well speaking of getting us warmed up my brain's a bit cold robin so i think it's probably time for us to do the moon underwater pub quiz okay everybody pens out eyes down it's time for the quiz Played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Thank you, John. Yes, 
It's the Moon Underwater pub quiz. What are your feelings on pub quizzes, Robbie? Well, um, I like a pub quiz if I've gone to a pub with the intention of having a pub quiz. Preach, preach, preach. I left a pub two weeks ago, not because there's a pub quiz on, but because I felt the vibe that a pub quiz might be about to break out. Yeah. I went in there and it was very busy for a Monday night. There were lots of tables and groups and there was... There was a stage bit that was always part of this pub, but it had a microphone on it. I was looking around. I was thinking, I said to my friend, Dan, I said, I said, I've just, I've just got a feeling that there's going to be a pub quiz. And he goes, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Let's go. Because there's nothing worse than if you order, because you can go in, see a pub quiz and go, it's okay, we'll go somewhere else. But if you go in, order that drink, and then he goes, right, everyone quiet, please. Yeah. And you've just got to sit there in silence. It's the worst. And, do it. it's, and also it's a bit like um, when there's football on the telly, you just can't stop what moving your eyes towards mm. it or when there's a telly on it a telly in a pub it's similar with the pub quiz you can't help but take part in it even if you're trying to ignore it yeah <laughs> but you can't talk it, it's sort of yeah, it's, yeah. it's something that i like in a pub that you can just do your own thing you can have a quiet little drink on your own you can have a raucous like your friends but once a pub quiz starts it limits the nights that everyone else can have even if they're not doing the pub quiz yeah, sure. Having said that, let's do a pub quiz. <laughs> well, I, oh, well, I've, I've listened to the podcast before, so I knew there would be one. So I'm okay, coming cool. happy and content for it. Lovely. Brilliant. Yeah, so there's only three questions, and um, we'll all have a think about them, then go to a break, and I'll go through the answers and see how well we all did. So this is about geography. Geography of the UK. Some interesting cues here. So without further ado... Oh, by the way, you know I mentioned Jeff the Mongoose. Um, that was the Isle of Man. There's a, a famous uh, haunted mongoose called Jeff, or Geff, I believe. I, I, if this is a pu- pub quiz about mongo- mongoose, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to struggle. <laughs> it's not about mongoose, but maybe that's a good one for next week. Anyway, question one. In terms of longitude, which UK city is closest to Edinburgh? So do, 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 does, that, does that make sense? In terms of the longitude going down from Edinburgh... Which city is closest on that line? Ah. So I've got Liverpool, Cardiff, or Bristol. So which is closest to that longitudinal line going down the country? I think it might be... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, okay, whoa. we're not going to get <laughs> whoa, 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 Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll go through I the answers. Too giddy. The <laughs> so there, that's, that's, that's the first question, the longitude, which is closest to Edinburgh, Liverpool, Cardiff, or Bristol. So question two, as the crow flies, how many miles is it from Land's End to John O'Groats? That's question two. How many miles is it from Land's End to John O'Groats? Question three, according to Google Maps, how many hours would it take to walk from the Dagda Bar in Edinburgh? Oh, you'd, you'd, you wouldn't find me walking from the Dagda Bar in Edinburgh, <laughs> yeah, mate. I should have done it the other way around. It's still the same. From the Dagda in Edinburgh to the Highbury Vaults in Bristol. How many hours would it take to walk that distance, according to Google Maps? So basically, Edinburgh to Bristol. How many How many hours do you reckon it, it would take? So that's the quiz. Have a little time to think. <laughs> you're right, John. Oh, you're doing some working out. I'm working it out because if you're walking there, I'm guessing, is that going to tell you to use motorways or is it going to tell you to use like country lane sort of footpaths? I think it will know that you can't go on motorways, mm. but I think it might not go the best footpaths. I don't think we'll know. Who knows footpaths? Won't it? It's yeah. quite good. Hmm. 
Okay. Okay. Cool. I've got cool. my answers, Robin. Lovely. Lovely. Have you got yours, Robin? Yes. Stunning. Right then, I've got that sorted. So it is time now for us to leave you on tenterhooks, I'm afraid, folks, as we end part one of uh, The Moon Underwater. But don't be, don't worry, we'll be back very soon to release you... Well, we'll be back instantly to relieve you from those tenterhooks at the start of part two. But just to remind you, uh, if you would like to hear the bonus podcast where Robin and I tasted the aforementioned Guinness Nought Point Nought a debut tasting for us, um, then head over to patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod or moonunderpod.com where you can find out about all the many benefits, not just the bonus podcast, but extended ad-free regular podcasts, advance uh, notice of tickets, uh, the pre-sale for that. You can get a mention in the patron's poem, uh, which is uh, featured every week on the Moon Underwater podcast, and just generally contributing to the upkeep of this creaky old crazy pub we like to call the Moon Underwater. So we'll be back very soon. Skip to part two. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>